and, and singing about our Lord. I appreciate all the music this morning, and a wonderful job, choir, and we've got some, someone to sing about, don't we? And uh, those songs are so special because of who they're about, and our God has been very, very, very good to us. Stand with me, if you would, Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Familiar passage of scripture I want to look at this morning. We're going to go to several other places, but we'll begin here in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, others Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter, Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for the privilege of being here today to be with your people. And Lord, here at Grace Baptist Church on a Sunday morning. Lord, I thank you for all the songs that have lifted up our Savior. And I pray that nothing would change in the message this morning, but that your son would be lifted up and your work in our lives would be lifted up. I pray that if someone here is without Christ, that, Lord, they would find you today. They'd come to know Christ as their Savior. For those that are saved, I pray that you'd remind us of who you are and what you've done for us, Lord, that our focus would be refocused on you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 77 years Grace Baptist Church has been here and in this area. Started just in Hodges Hall, what we call Hodges Hall now. How many of you were here when the church was in, that, in Hodges Hall there? You were here when the auditorium was there. We raise your hands a little bit, a little higher, all right. A few of you. I, I know how many of you have been a member of our church for 70 years, I think. 70, where are the, are the Edmondsons in here? Brother Edmond, you're not in your usual spot, Brother Edmondson. You're throwing me all off. Was it 72 years, Brother Edmondson? 71 years, 71 years here. Anybody uh, 60 years or more? Anybody 60 years or more? Uh, Brother Jenkins, the Jenkins over here, the Doswells. Yes, Mrs. Doswell, very good. Anybody 50 years? Anybody 50 years? We need to give away. Very good, very good. I think 40. Anybody 40? Anybody one year? All right, okay. And, uh, but I'm glad. It's, it's an amazing thing the Lord has done. And as you look back a little bit, and I was talking to Miss Amy Cook. I mentioned this earlier. I was talking with her a few weeks ago. Her bro- your brother was here in town, and we were speaking just out here in the foyer here, and I was talking to her brother, and, and he had mentioned, I think it was roughly 50 years ago, was it? I think it's what he said. 50 years ago, he rode to church on a bus for the first time, roughly 50 years ago. And he was in what was Peabody Apartments, and it is Ashley Station now. And he said he didn't get saved that time, but it was the first time he had really truly been to church. He received his first Bible here. And uh, as we were standing there talking about it and what God had done in his life since then, one of our buses kind of rounded the corner. And I pointed it out to him. I said, 50 years or so later, those buses are still running, bringing people to Christ. I'm thankful for what God has done through Grace Baptist Church. I, I think we could take the time. We're going to take some testimonies this afternoon in our afternoon service. But if we were to go around the room, we could be here the rest of the day speaking of what God has done in our lives and our time here. Whether it was encouragement, folks coming to know Christ, or whether it was encouragement they received from the Lord. But really, the 77 years of grace is really a speck on what God has been doing for 2,000 years through the local New Testament church, isn't it? 
Boy, this is a continuation of what God has been doing since this moment that we just read about. Upon this rock, I will build my church. God has been doing something since that, that moment, since he started it. And so many things have ch- changed through our time and through our world. I, I think of how the Lord gives that instruction concerning his scripture. He said, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth. And that, that picture that he's using there is people come and go, kingdoms rise and fall. But he said, but my, the king, for the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand for how long? Forever. He said, it's going to keep on going. And we signed a similar promise in this passage of scripture. God's going to keep his church going. Now, there's coming a day when he's calling us out of here. Amen. But in the meantime, God has been doing something for 2,000 years and continue to do what he does here today. He's done for many different, many years. I want to look at some of those things and what is that that has kept the church enduring? And the first thing we see is he is our foundation. He is our foundation. Look at that verse again as he looks at Peter and he, or he looks at his disciples there in verse 13. He said, when Jesus came to the coast of of coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? And they said, boy, they begin to throw out some things they had heard. Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, and give Peter's answer with me aloud, would you? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, the rock of Jesus Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Boy, he's our foundation, isn't he? He said, Upon this rock, the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was the Son of God, he said, I will build my church. I wish I, I had the picture here, but the coast, this, this conversation was happening in the coast of Caesarea Philippi. I mentioned it when I came back from Israel, but that was on the outskirts of Caesarea Philippi. And there at Caesarea Philippi, there was one of the places where the Jordan River found its origination, where that spring would come up out of the, the ground. And at one time, they had built an, a temple over, over top of that spring there, a temple to the god Pan. It was not the temple to the god of heaven. And they would do all kinds of wicked worship in there, the, the Gentiles and others, and they would do all kinds of wicked worship in there, pet temple prostitution and all kinds of wickedness and filth, and including human sacrifices. They would throw little ones into the waters that were there and, and throw adult uh, in, into the water there and, until that water would run pink with blood and flow out from underneath the temple there. And so here the Lord, he's, he's standing there speaking with his disciples and he looks back over his shoulder and he, he said, and he looks at his disciples and said, whom do men say that I am? And Peter would, and they would give their ideas and what they had heard. And he'd say, but whom do ye say that I am? And Peter spoke up, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Because that temple was there, that area had gained the nickname, the gates of hell because of the wickedness that came about there. The Lord said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Well, we have seen wickedness come and go. Things have come about through the, through the ages and through history, and yet God still does a work in His church. Why? Because He's the foundation of the church. Peter recognized this when he said in 1 Peter 2, 6-7, through 7, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. 
Unto you which therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. I tell you what, churches aren't made up of buildings, are they? Our address is 2915 14th Avenue, but a church isn't made up of the facilities that are here. The church isn't made up, if you will, by the programs that we have. A, a church is made up and filled by people built upon the scorner, cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. There was a day when God looked down at man and saw us as sinners for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And yet God loved us, didn't he? We know the price of that sin. It's been going on for all of eternity, or all of time since we look around us. The heartache, the hardship, the cancers, the diseases, the wars, rumors of wars, all those things, sin and destruction in our world. But far more than the death in this life, there is an eternal separation from God. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the what? Second death. And God loved us so much, he said, I want no man to experience that. And so he sent his son to Jesus, his son Jesus to be born in a little manger in Bethlehem, to live his life without sin, to die on a cross, and to rise again three days later. This conversation we see unfolding here in the scripture we just read is just a few months from his crucifixion. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Why does a church continue? Is it because of its programs? Is it because of its facilities? Is it because of everything that's happened? I would say if you were to go to the early church, they had a lot less than we have today. And yet they kept going. They faced a lot more hardships than you and I face today. Giving their lives for their faith. And yet the church is still here today. Because of our foundation. Our foundation. It's not built in locations. It's not built on programs. All of those things are beneficial as long as their foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would say this, the greatest foundation you can have in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. When was it for you that you came to know Christ as your personal Savior? When was that moment when you made that decision to trust in Christ? Boy, the, the reason the church has continued to go is its foundation. We have a sure foundation. In this passage of scripture, the Lord refers to the church, if you will, as a, as a building. And again, there in the cornerstone, but go with me to Ephesians chapter five. And here you'll see a familiar, we see the Lord give us the picture of the church as the bride of Christ in Ephesians chapter five and verse 23, a wonderful passage on the family, but also on the church. It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, in verse, chapter, verse 23 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. The bride of Christ. 
that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with a washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Boy, he reminds us that God is our expectation. If you were to go back to the time of Christ and the bride and the picture of the bride, you would find that Joseph and Mary and Joseph were an example of that. You know, that Mary was betrothed to Joseph. In the time of Christ, once they were betrothed, they were, they were legally married, but then the husband would go and he would leave and he'd begin to prepare a place for his wife. He would go and he would begin to get that place ready, that home ready, and all of those things ready. When all of that was finished, he would return for his bride. And he would return for his bride. Of course, in the case of Mary and Joseph, we know that she became with child. And Joseph was minded to put her away privately, wasn't he? Privately, wasn't he? But the angel came to him, God came to him, and told him that child was the Holy Ghost. It was the Lord Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And so Joseph took her, and they were married, and he brought her home to him. And we see the picture of that in the church. In John chapter 14, 1 through 3, the Lord says it this way. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Boy, the Lord came the first time to prepare a bride for him, didn't he? He came the first time to die on the cross and to rise again three days later, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. And he would look at his disciples and he said, but I'm, I'm out of here, friend. I, I'm headed out of here, but I want you to know, I don't let your heart be troubled, because I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And when that place is ready, I'm coming back for you. See, I can tell you where our Savior has gone, where the church is referred to as the bride of the Christ. But friend, he is coming again. He is our expectation. Not only is our foundation the reason we're here and the reason the church is still moving forward and the reason you can know Christ as your Savior, but friend, he is our expectation. He is the one that we are looking for. He is the one that we're waiting for. And he said in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, he said in, Thess in Thessalonians, he said uh, that Trump is going to sound or we're going to be caught up to be with him. Friend, he is coming again. I was listening last night just a little bit. My wife got to listen to the whole thing, but uh, uh, Dr. Ralph Sexton was preaching on prophecy and he mentioned some of the things of the Old Testament. He said, you know, if you go back to Genesis, you'd, you'd find how the Lord created this world in six days. He created the world in six days. And on the seventh day, he what? He rested. And then he made this mention. He goes, now if you skip ahead, he goes, there's a place in the scripture, if you remember, where the Lord said one day with the Lord is as a what? A thousand years, a thousand years. Do you know how much time was between uh, the Lord, Genesis chapter 1, when God spoke this world in and, and, and at the life of Abraham? Two thousand years. Do you know how much time was between there and, if you will, and Calvary? Two thousand years. Do you know how, how long it's been since Calvary to today? Two thousand years. Six thousand years. If one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, it's been... Six days, and on the seventh day he rested. We know this, there's coming a thousand year millennium, isn't there? Time of rest. He pointed out something that, look around, you know one of the things the Bible says is going to happen in the tribulation? That there's going to be a peace treaty made to stop the war in the Middle East. Boy, friend, have you noticed that it's stirred back up again? 
You notice that it's stirred back up again? Could it be that he's right around the corner? Could it be that he's right around the corner? He's our expectation. He's the one we're looking for. We know the things in this world, they get rough and they get hard and times of life are struggles. But for the church, our eyes are always looking up, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, looking for that blessed hope, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our eyes are not on the world. Our eyes are on eternity because he is our expectation. We're not living for what we can squeeze out of this world. We're living for an eternity with our Savior. I'll tell you something about the church. Lord is its foundation. Lord is our expectation. There's coming a day when that one that you have, that has loved us so much. Friend, he loved you so much that he gave his life for you. He gave his life for you. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It amazes, the love of God amazes me. The Bible reminds us that he knows all things. The Bible tells us in, in the book of Peter that, that, the plan, that God's plan for our salvation was the Lord Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. That means before God said, let there be light, he was planning for his son to die for us. God loved us so much that even in his foreknowledge, when he knew that we would sin, he was still willing to sacrifice himself for us. I don't know about you, but... We don't spend much, too much time investing in things that are going to turn away from us, reject us. Yet he did. Love. Sin entered into this world, you'd think he would have started over again, but he didn't. His plan was for a son to be sacrificed himself for us at Calvary. He loved us so much. That's that the son of God who left the throne of God, he wasn't born in a, into a into a palace. He was born into a carpenter's home. He was born in a little town of Bethlehem and would grow up in Nazareth. He, he grew up in a, in a, in a, in a small home, in a, in a poor home, and he would live his life without sin. He would be betrayed by one of his own, Judas, that kiss of betrayal. They would beat him until he was unrecognizable as a man. They would strip him naked and shove a crown of thorns upon his head to mock him as some type of king. They would spit in his face and pluck out his beard and deny him. When he hung on the cross, those words we would remember, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why was he forsaken? Well, because he took our sin upon him. For God so loved the world. He loved us. And all that we have to do is trust in him and believe in what he's done for us and we can know heaven and as our home and God is our savior. One day, friend, we'll see the one who's loved us more than any other face to face. He is our expectation. We're not living for what we can get down here. We're living for the one we're gonna see in glory. Friend, he is the foundation of the church. He is the expectation of the church. He is our purpose. Go to Colossians, would you? Just go back to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. We see this in verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and what? 
for him. Friend, all things were made by him and for him. You know, who you, you know who made you? God made you. You know who you were made for? God. God has a purpose for all of us. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Not only did he make all things, but he sustains all things. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the what? Preeminence. He's the first thing in everything. It says here, and he is the head of the body, the church. We've seen the Lord refer to the, the church as a building and him being the chief cornerstone and the rock upon which it's built. We've seen him refer to it as the bride of Christ. And the bride of Christ reminds us that he is our expectation, that we're supposed to be living for the day that we see him. And here he refers to the church as the body of Christ and he is the head of the body. Friend, he is our purpose. That's what he's telling us. He is our purpose. He's the foundation on which we stand. He is the expectation that I look for, and he's the purpose, the reason why we do what we do. Boy, the head of the, head of the church is invisible. It's gone on to be with glory, but God has left the body here as the visible representation of Christ to a lost world. Friend, you and I are the body of Christ in a lost world. We are meant to represent Christ to the world that doesn't know him. He's the reason we're here. In, February, or in January, the first Sunday of January, we'll have our Vision Sunday. And that Vision Sunday, we'll take a moment and we'll look backward. <laughs> we'll take some time, we'll look back at what God did in the last year, and then we'll look ahead at what we would love for God to do in the coming year if he gives us that time. And friend, it's not about parties and programs. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Brother McCormick sent me a text, the seeds of grace, of by the end of the year, expected to get put out over 500,000 John and Romans in the last couple of years, 500,000. We'll look at missionaries, over 150 of them going around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at some teenagers going out on Wednesday and knocking on doors and talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll look back at some Super Saturdays that people did some John and Romans and went out and knocked on doors with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll remember what will happen up the street on a Wednesday night as Master Club goes on and young people are taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Or over here in the youth house as young people are talk, taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll remember these buses running around all of Columbus bringing people to church that otherwise wouldn't have heard it. They might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We'll think of what happens in our Christian school on Monday through Friday as young people are not only taught the academics, but taught the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, friend, not only is he our foundation and not only is our expectation, but, friend, he is the whole purpose for why we exist. The gospel. The gospel. I'll tell you, when churches cease to exist is when they lose sight of him. When they lose sight of him. Their foundation. Their expectation. Their purpose. The word church comes from that Greek word. It's translated into, from the Greek word ekklesia. It's used somewhere around 114, 115 times in your New Testament. He's talking about, a, it's, it was a simple word in the day. It's a called out group of people. Friend, there's a whole lot of called out groups of people. There's some Georgia fans cheering on Georgia. Not yesterday, they had a bye week, but next week they will be. 
There's some friends who are called out and separated because of their affiliation with a, with a school or with a, or with a ball team or to do some purpose. There's some charitable uh, groups out there and uh, there are some political groups out there. They are called out. They are separated into a certain thing. But this thing is, this place is separated under the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not set aside because of some fleshly thing that will come and go. We're set aside to the Lord Jesus Christ as our foundation, our expectation, and our purpose, isn't it? And our job is to make sure that He is the forefront of everything that we do and the whole reason we exist. To let that world out there see Jesus. See Jesus. But we get a little glimpse of here is as God established the church institution, right? There was a day in Genesis when God established, established the family institution, didn't he? There's a whole bunch of families in here. Back in Genesis, we see when he, when he created the institution of the family. Here we see God establish his church, but there's the local church, isn't there? God established the institution of the church, but this is the local church for our town, for our city, for our place. There's coming a future church, friend, when you and I are all caught up out of here, friend, and we all assemble up in glory. And that day we'll be gathered around the throne. But until that day comes, this group of people in this place stands upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And he is our expectation. I don't know what you're looking forward to today, friend. But you ought to be looking forward to Jesus. I don't know what your purpose is today. But your purpose ought to be Jesus. Lifting him up. Making him known. I don't know if you know him today or not. I'm going to hope that you do. But if you don't, no, come to know him today. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This place. And we could go around the room today and probably listen to all kinds of memories of what God has done in your life through the ministry of Grace Baptist Church. But we would have to say it's what God has done in our life through this place. It's what God has done through this place. Why? Because the foundation is Jesus. Because the expectation is Jesus. Because the purpose is Jesus. That's why we're here. I would ask you today, do you know him? Do you know him? The most important question. And all was when the Lord looked at his disciples. The first one, he said, whom do men say that I am? And they said what they had heard. But then he looked at them and said, whom do ye say that I am? And their answer made all the difference in their world, didn't it? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And the Lord said, now this is why the gates of hell shall not prevail. Because I am its foundation I am its expectation. And friend, I am its purpose, he would say. Do you know him? Do you know him? Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much.
for what you did for us at Calvary. I'm thankful for your son Jesus who died on the cross and rose again three days later that we might be saved. I'm thankful for this place that we could gather in today or this people that we could gather together with folks who know Christ. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that is without Christ, I pray that they would put their trust in him this morning. They wouldn't let this day go by without trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just ask you this. You'd be honest. Don't, don't peek around. Don't look around. Just between you and I and the Lord. You say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. That's a settled thing for me. For me, this pastor, it was May of 1995 in Cincinnati, Ohio, that I came to Christ. When was it that you came to Christ? If you could say, preacher, I know for a fact that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. That's a settled thing for me. Would you raise your hand as a testimony between you and I and the Lord? You say, preacher, I know that. Settled for me. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody here this morning say, preacher, I'm unsure of that? Maybe you know the story of Christ. You know the story of Calvary, but you're unsure of eternity. You're unsure of whether you know him. But you say, preacher, I want to know Christ this morning. I want to put my trust in him this morning. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? I promise I won't embarrass you. But if you say, preacher, that's me. I want to know him. Would you raise your hand? I think you may put your hand down. Let me ask you this then, Christian. How many of you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart? Maybe just a reminder of your expectation. Sometimes it's easy to let our eyes get caught up on the things in this world rather than keeping our eyes on the, on the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we let the turmoil of what's going on in our life, like Peter as he would look at the waves as he was on the water rather than looking to his Savior, and we look at the waves rather than our Lord. Maybe the Lord said, keep your eyes on me. Maybe it's the purpose of God. We get caught up with all kinds of things rather than him. Lord would remind you this morning, keep your eyes on the Lord, keep your service and your purpose about Him. But if you say, preach, the Lord has spoken in my heart, would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play, as, as God has spoken in your heart, the invitation is given, and do business with the Lord this morning. And well, I tell you, as God has spoken in your heart, take time to respond. If you raise your hand, you say, preacher, I'm unsure of my salvation, I would encourage you to come forward and have someone show you from the Bible how you could be saved. I hope you wouldn't leave here today without an assurance in your heart that you know you're on your way to heaven. But as God has spoken to your heart this morning, do business with the Lord today.